Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
Good morning. What a good-looking group this morning. It is good to have you here with us this morning and those worshiping online. It is good to have everyone here. It's good to have uh, folks back in Sunday school this morning. Our Sunday schools have reopened and many of our classes have met. We've still got a few more that are going to be coming online uh, in person come up in November, so we're excited. Uh, it was excited to see all of our kids' classes. I think that uh, Pretty much all of our kids were here. Yeah, give our kids a hand. That, that, was, that was great. Megan wanted me to be sure to thank, uh, uh, because this is the first time that a lot of our teachers have got a chance to, to, to get connected in their classrooms since uh, all of this has hit, but Roberta and Kim and Peggy and Gail and Jennifer and Justin, uh, Megan wanted to be sure y'all knew how much we appreciated y'all, and, and uh, we wanted to say that to y'all. Uh, couple announcements this morning. Deacons, don't forget after the uh, conclusion of the service today, we're going to hang around. We've got a deacons meeting, a few things to go over. And Wednesday night, we're going to be doing our uh, children's choirs will be uh, back open. Uh, that'll be uh, going. Our uh, youth have already been meeting, and we've already reopened the uh, Wednesday night worship service. We'll still be online. But at the conclusion of the Wednesday night worship service, we will have our first business meeting since February. You know, you can say if, if there was one positive from COVID so far as we hadn't had to have very many business meetings uh, at church. Those are always a lot of fun and boring, right? But we do need to have one. We need to let you know a lot of things that's taken place over the last, Brent was telling me seven months. I think next Sunday would make seven months that, that we've been shut down with Sunday school and stuff. So anyway, uh, do make note of that. That happened this week. Uh, senior adults, we've got a, a fellowship planned. Uh, your first fellowship, uh, one of our favorites, my favorite. We're going to go to Real Foot Boyettes. That's going to be October the 24th? It's 27th. October 27th at 4.30 p.m. Uh, it cost us $10. Let Kathy know uh, so we can make reservations. Uh, we'll be carrying the bus. You can drive on your own. Uh, we'll get... Uh, transportation provided if you need someone to, to, to drive you or you need to ride maybe in, in your own car we'll get that taken care of but uh, anyway we're really excited about that the youth have got a horseback riding outing on the 18th and cost us $30 for that and you need to let Brian know if you're gonna go that because the guys only gonna bring horses Sign up sheet out on the little table out in the back. And of course, the offering uh, box is out there. The plates are at the door. You can give online, uh, uh, get it to us, give it to one of the uh, uh, ushers. They'll be glad to, uh, to take your offering as well. And we'll have a word of prayer and blessings on that uh, in just a moment. I do want to mention uh, this morning, uh, as we uh, have our prayer for our offering and our worship service, we want to remember our president and uh, first lady. Uh, both of those have contracted COVID. A lot of folks in the White House, a lot of folks in our Senate, uh, and I think some congressmen have uh, uh, caught it. So we do want to pray for our leaders this morning uh, in our nation uh, as they, we continue to fight this thing. And then uh, uh, O'Neill Yearwood's uh, stepmom, uh, Myra Jane, is not doing very well. Brenda uh, is with her, and uh, I want to be sure that we know uh, to lift up Brenda and O'Neill. Uh, and uh, his stepmom, Miss Myra. Also, before we do anything else this morning and have our prayer, I want to uh, have, let's see, I've got uh, Connor James. Where you at? Where'd y'all go? 
Come on. Oh, all right, Connor, James Burke. Come on, Kristen. Uh, come on, Blake. Come on, uh, Logan, Alyssa. This is uh, Connor's first Sunday in church. Now, July the 18th? All right, July the 18th. And so we want to show him off. Y'all come on up here so we can show him off. Oh, isn't he precious? And Connor is actually the first show-off baby, I call it, that we get to show off online. So anyway, <laughs> y'all give Connor a hand. All right. You excited? You, you, you got those changing the diapers down now? Okay. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer for all of these things that we've mentioned this morning, our offering, but also for little Connor. Uh, and his family. Father, we thank you this morning for our time uh, to be in your house. We, Lord, thank you for your love and grace, the, the many wonderful things that we get to do. We, Lord, we pray for our trike and bike and trike that we f failed to announce uh, at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Lord, look forward to that, the fellowship the kids get to have there, the Sunday school we had this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray for the offering that's come in this week, comes in today, continue to come in. Uh, use it to the glory uh, of your kingdom and, and, and your, your honor. Lord, we do pray for our leaders, our president, first lady, uh, the concerns we have over COVID uh, that's going on in our nation's capital, uh, Lord, and the concerns that they have there. And then, Lord, this morning, we just want to thank you uh, as we recognize uh, little Connor's first Sunday uh, in your house among your people. And Lord, we pray uh, for mom and dad and for brother and sister as they just uh, uh, give us the strength and support that he's going to need uh, in his life growing up and loving you. And, and help us, Lord, to be that church that also is that uh, firm foundation uh, in your faith and in your grace. All these things, Lord, we give you this morning in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, won't you stand with us together as we continue to worship.
Isn't it good to just uh, come together and to praise the Lord? That's why we're here. And there's, there's times all through the week that you, we can give God the glory, God the praise on something. Uh, yesterday I was on a curvy road, and I looked up, and there was a guy flying around the curve in my lane on his phone. And I thought I was fixing to make, fixing to make Jesus. You know, just like, you know, threw my hands up, Jesus take the wheel. Uh, but at the last second, he looked up and hit his brakes and swerved back over. I didn't never, I never told you that, Paige. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I had a little, uh, a little, had a little time of praise there, thanking the Lord that he caused that guy to swerve back over in his lane. But that's why we praise him. He's so good to us. Amen. He came to live, live a perfect life. He came to be the living word, our life. He came to die, so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise, to show his power and might. That's why we praise him, that's why we sing, that's why we today, whether you're here with us and uh, whether it's COVID or something else you're going through, we're going to see a victory in that one day. If you're at home and you're wrestling with loneliness or depression or uh, an addiction, God is there and, and we're going to see a victory over that one day if we'll just trust Him. Amen. Maybe for 
God, we thank you that you can face all those giants, God, that seem so big to us, Father. The things that it feels like we just can't do on our own, God, that we can't, we can't triumph over, God. But you are right there with us, Father, and you are able and exceedingly able, God, to take those giants. And we praise you and thank you for that, Father. Father, I just pray, God, that you would just help us, keep us in the mindset, help us to continue to bring you into this place, God, and to worship you and to um, go out of this place and just show your love to everyone. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you know this song, you can sing along with us. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. But my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Cause failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. No failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does.
Father God, we come before you again this morning. And we thank you that when we come before you, you don't see our faults, you don't see our mistakes, you don't see the, the times that we mess up. Uh, you receive us as we are, uh, but you don't leave us like we are. And we thank you for that, that you come into our lives, you change us, and you make us holy in your sight, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ did on the cross. And we can only come before you because of that reason. We thank you for that promise that we have in Jesus. And I pray that today, if there's anyone here, anyone listening to us online, that would uh, need you, Lord, that they would just need a touch from you, I pray that they would see how much you love them, how much you care for them, and that uh, with you we are never alone. We, are always, we always have someone that cares for us, and you tell us to come to you and to cast our cares upon you because you care for us, Lord. We love you today. And we ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Hadn't the music been good this morning? Give them a hand, would you? All right. Little guys, you can make your way to Children's Church over here. Miss Megan uh, gets you to where you need to go. So y'all just uh, go over there. And uh, as they do that, take your Bible and open to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. And in just a moment, we're going to look at verses 14 through 16 together. We've been in a series that we started a few weeks ago on the heart of Jesus. We have been looking at his heart. We've talked about the very heart of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus tells us about his heart. He says, my heart uh, is gentle and lowly. That is, it's gentle and humble of heart is who he is. We talked about what that means, what uh, that says to us, and how our heart ought to emulate his. Then we also looked at the heart of Jesus in action, and we looked at the story of Jesus healing the leper. And, and we saw the love and the compassion uh, of our Lord and Savior at work. And then last week we talked about the heart of Jesus and his joy, that, you know, Jesus wasn't this uh, sorrow, uh, downcast individual walking through life with no joy. Uh, our Savior, when he was here on earth, was a, was a man, yes, acquainted with sorrow uh, because of the mission ahead of him and what he was going to go through uh, and uh, uh, the, the need to overcome our sin uh, by way of his death. But he walked with joy, and, and he said, to the disciples, I want the joy that I have to be in you. And, and he explained to us how we're to have that and how we can have that. So we looked at the joy of the heart of Jesus. Well, I want us to take another uh, thought today about the heart of Jesus and say to you that it's in the heart of Jesus that we find sympathy. And as we think about that, I want to look in Hebrews with you, chapter 4, beginning in, in verse 14. And Paul says there, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, there's our word, to sympathize with our weaknesses, plural, many, but who but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Because of that, he says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help 
in time of need. Once upon a time, there was a poor fellow that had been severely punished by nature. A big flood had come along. It washed all of his belongings, all of his, properly, uh, his property away. And he was sitting there very disappointed, uh, as could be expected, and he was crying. And a passerby happened to come by and noticed what was going on here with the man crying and just took notice of his wretched state that he was in. And he asked him about what had happened. And the man explained the, the full catastrophe of how he had lost his home and his property and all his belongings that he had. And uh, he said to the man who was passing by, he said, now I am left a poor man uh, with a poor wife. We have five children of different ages and none of them have anything to eat. And then he asked the, passer, uh, the passerby for some money. He said, sir, do you have any money for which I can feed my family? The passerby, still sharing in sympathy, looked at the poor man and said, look, friend, I shall be with you in crying as long as you are in need to be satisfied. But as far as help, don't ask for any. Well, you know, that story probably is one that has been true maybe in our life at one time or another in this sense. We've all either been that individual who's in terrible need of sympathy, needing someone to sympathize with us, and needing perhaps maybe someone to help us in some way, but the best that they will offer us is just a shoulder to cry on. Or perhaps we've been that passerby that all we could give, all we were able to give or render was sympathy and not any real help, so to speak. The good news that I want to say to you this morning is that we have a Savior that not only sympathizes with our need, but is able to help us with our needs. He is able to provide. You see, in life, we all need a little help sometimes. As we pass through this world, each of us are going to find moments where we need some help, some encouragement, some in, uh, support, some strength. And that is the good news of Jesus. When you look at the gospel, when you look at the word of God, what we find is that we have a God who truly sympathizes with us, but does more than that. He does more than simply give us a pat on the back a word of good cheer, he truly comes to get messy with us in life. Someone has said this, and I think it is true, humanity is a messy business. And when we come to Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, we get another window into the heart of our Savior, one that shows us that our Savior has come to be not just our Redeemer in eternity, but our very present help in this moment. Let me give you some context behind the passage that we read and also the, uh, the book of Hebrews, if you don't know much about it. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jews, Jewish Christians, Jews who had been exiled from Israel because of their faith. This book was written to address this Jewish community to encourage them to continue their newfound walk in the Lord Jesus. Now, while the majority of this book was written to these believers for encouragement, there is still a portion of this book, or a large section of this book, 
in which the writer is writing and speaking to those who are unsaved, unsaved Jewish people. Now these Jews who had abandoned Judaism to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ needed encouragement. And the writer is calling upon them to trust in Jesus, to rest in him, to rest in his salvation, to hold fast to what they have and to what they receive. Now as you read through this book, you come to chapter 4, and when you come to chapter 14 where we started reading, there's a shift in this book. Up until this point, the, the message in the book of Hebrews has been very negative. A lot of times people will start reading this book and they'll quit reading it because there's such a negative tone to it in the beginning. But then the book turns positive and the message is positive about the salvation, about the redemption, and about the help that Jesus gives. But just so that you know, you and I need to remember when we talk about the gospel the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will always be the negative and there will always be the positive. The negative is that what? We are lost, that we are in sin, that we are bound uh, on the road to hell and judgment if we do not have God stepping in to save us. And if we reject God, then the judgment of God is all that awaits us. That is the negative, but it, that is also the truth. But the positive is that we do have hope, not just hope in, in thought, not just hope in hope, but actually hope that is real in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the person of our Savior. So these Jews receive this letter, and they're going to learn now that they've got hope, that they've got help. But they're also going to learn that they've gained a new access to God. They've gained an access to God in a way that they could have never before imagined. Let me explain it to you. Now, in those days, in those older times, there was a, a view of God. For example, the pagan view of God, or gods as they would say it, was that God is at best aloof, stood off, and kind of removed from humanity. At worst, God was some kind of God who enjoyed just inflicting torture upon mankind, that man was seen as some kind of plaything of the gods. Now, that's the pagan view of God or gods that, that they knew in their day. The Jews were a little bit better. They knew the true God of heaven. They had a belief in the one God of heaven. But even with the Jews, here's what they thought, that God was too holy and too distant to really know him and that the only way in which they could connect with God was through a specific way of ritual worship. And so when you look at the Jews, particularly in the Old Testament, you see them connecting to God through the tabernacle, through uh, the temple. You see them in that temple worship and primarily their worship centered around one individual person that the Bible tells us was the anointed high priest. This individual would be the one that would make the sacrifices, the atoning sacrifices for them on an annual basis for their sins. But now Jesus has come. And that entire system of worship, that entire system of connecting with God, the true God of heaven, has been turned upside down and inside out. 
What we're going to find here is that Jesus really shook uh, their way of connecting with God on a newer, deeper, and more intimate level. Now, you and I, we know these things, and we've been raised up in church, and we hear these things, so they're not quite as new, and they're not quite as earth-shaking to us as it is to them. But at the same uh, token, I would say that we often fail to understand who it is that Jesus is and what he represents and what he means in, uh, to us. And in particularly, as we're going to see it this morning, what his heart says to us in terms of his care for us, in terms of his sympathy for us. So I want you to see three things in this passage. Number one, in Jesus, we see him as the superior high priest. Jesus is the superior high priest. Jesus is superior. Let me give you uh, his superiority uh, broken down. Number one, his superiority is in his personality. We mentioned how the ancient Jews depended upon the high priest, that anointed high priest who would represent them to the Lord, who would intercede on their behalf unto the Lord. The high priest was a man who would offer the blood sacrifices that atoned for their sins. The high priest was an important part of their life, was an important part of their worship. Uh, it was a, he was an important part of their relationship and connection with God. But here's the problem. The major problem with the Jewish high priest was this. They were human. He was human. They needed forgiveness just like the people needed forgiveness. They needed to be represented just like the people need to be represented. They needed forgiveness like they, the people, needed forgiveness. They were sinners just like the people. They were prone to failure. They were prone to wander like the people. But when we come to Jesus, we see Jesus is our superior high priest because he's not just a human high priest. He is the Son of God. He is the sinless one. He cannot sin. He cannot fail. He does not need forgiveness. He is holy. He is perfect. So he is superior in his personality. He is superior in his performance. Every year on the Day of Atonement, and by the, week, by the way, we just had the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur was just this last week for the Jewish uh, 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 community. Uh, uh, but on the Day of Atonement, the high priest offered a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Before he could enter into the Holy of Holies, you remember the Holy of Holies? That's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. That's where the, uh, the Ten Commandments were inside that Ark, uh, along with a few other items that the Old Testament tells us about. But uh, there, that Ark was also seen as, the, uh, as the, the seat of God's mercy, the seat of God's grace, uh, and uh, his person uh, uh, interacting with uh, his people. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest could enter into this Holy of Holies to offer sacrifice. He would take the blood of the atonement of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle it upon the mercy seat. Now to get into the Holy of Holies, the high priest had to pass through three portals. He passed through the gate into the courtyard of the tabernacle. Then he would pass through the door into the holy place there of the temple. And finally, he would pass through, and this was the place where he and he alone could pass through one time a year uh, into 
the Holy of Holies. Through that door, he would enter. Behind that veil, he would enter. When he entered into the Holy of Holies, his time was limited. He couldn't linger. He couldn't stay there very long. He could only stay there long enough to offer sacrifices. And as a matter of fact, they would tie a, a, a rope around his waist lest he were to be struck dead while he was in there for being uh, un, unholy before God or, or having a, a, a sin before God in some way. Because if anyone were to enter in themselves, they would fall dead. They also would tie little bells on his robe so that they could hear him moving around in there to know that he was still all right. I want to tell y'all, dear friend, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to do any of those things <laughs> for you guys, all right? I am glad that we have Jesus. And so uh, his, his work would be finished when he would make that sacrifice and he would leave and he had to leave the presence of the Lord. And so once a year, this same process would be repeated. But dear friend, Jesus is superior in his performance because listen, Jesus didn't make any offerings of sin for himself. And listen, he is the perfect atonement for our sins. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, you and I have been healed. He didn't offer the blood of goats. He offered his own spotless, holy blood. Hebrews 13, verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Jesus does not have to repeat that sacrifice. Listen to uh, Hebrews 10, verses 11 and 12. And every priest stands daily at the service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. When Jesus finished making the offering for us on Calvary's cross, he was done. How do we know that we're saved? And when we're saved, we're always saved. Because Jesus died once and only once. His, his, his blood cleansed us, listen, not only from all sins we have committed, not only from that, but the sins that we would commit in the moment and the sins we commit in the future. We are cleansed by his blood forever. And Jesus has sat down at the right hand of God. And, when, and as children of God who have been cleansed by his blood, our sins have been forever removed. Jesus did not take his blood through three earthly portals either. As you read through the scripture, you'll find that he passed through three heavenly portals into the very presence of God. Listen to Hebrews 9, verses 23 through 26. Thus it is necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with uh, these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made by hand, which are copies of the true thing, but into heaven itself. Now the appearance in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood of it, not of his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the age to put away sin by sacrifices of himself. Listen, Jesus did what no earthly priest 
has ever done or could done. He has done the work we needed to cleanse us, purify us, and remove our sins out of the sight of holy God. And he has completed his work. And because he has completed his work, he is now able to sit at the right hand of God in heaven. And so Jesus is superior. Jesus is superior in his people. The Jewish people were a fickle people. The Jewish people were prone to rebel, to wander, to become prodigals. Listen, no matter how many times their priest had made atonement, the Jews were prone to go away from God time and time and time again. But listen, Jesus is superior in, uh, to the human priest because he helps us to hold fast our profession. He is able to keep us in his hand. He's able to keep us committed to him. Uh, those who have been redeemed by Jesus stick to his uh, commitment, stick to their commitment. Now, we may fail from time to time, and that, that happens. And there are times where we might wonder, but we don't wander off into lostness. We don't wander into uh, 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 unfaith. True believers may falter, but they never waver. They never drop out of the hand of God. And so our salvation is genuine. Our salvation produces change. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, uh, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old has passed away, and the new has come. So what I want you to see is that Jesus is superior. He is the superior high priest. We need only what Jesus can provide. But it goes beyond just Jesus is able to give us what we need. The second thing, and this is really the heart of the message, in Jesus we see the sympathy as our high priest. You see, Jesus does, doesn't just give us what we need by way of cleansing us of our sin. Jesus gives us his heart. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen, Jesus identifies with our humanity. The King James uh, Version puts it this way, he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmity. One of the problems with the human priest is that the human priest couldn't feel all the things that you and I feel. The human priest hasn't experienced all the things that you and I experience. He could not fully sympathize with the people. But Jesus, on the other hand, has felt the things that you and I feel, has been touched with our infirmity. Uh, and we get that word in the ESV and the New King James and the NIV here as sympathy. He sympathizes with us. Now, what does that mean, to be affected uh, with the same feelings or to know our pains, uh, to know what we're going through? It means that Jesus has a heart that understands. It, it's a, that Jesus has a heart that cares and reaches out to our hurts. He reaches out in help. How did Jesus gain this heart? By, by becoming human. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Became flesh and dwelt among us. 
That's what John 1 tells us, John 1, uh, 14. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, talks about how Jesus left heaven and came to earth in the human flesh of a man. God became man, so much man that it was though he was not God at all, but yet he was still God while on earth, so much God that it was though he was not man at all. But his humanity was real. He experienced what we experienced. There's a broad experience that Jesus went through. You know, in one way, God knows everything. He is omniscient. There's no doubt about it. There's nothing that God cannot learn because God already knows all there is to know. But yet, when you read about the sympathy of God, the, 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 the wording and the, and the, the Greek in behind that, it, it really tells us that God learns by, had learned by way of experience. In other words, his knowing has been lived out, all right? I mean, for example, I, I might look out and I might see someone doing a, a hard labor. For example, maybe they're, they're laying bricks in 100-degree heat, heat. And I might say, boy, that, that looks like a, a, a hard job. That looks like a a, a hot job. That looks like a tiring job, a backbreaking job. But it's altogether a different understanding when you're out there on that job, toting the brick, building the, the, the whatever, and, 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 and working in the heat in the uh, extent of the day. You come away with a whole other understanding, don't you? Dear friend, God doesn't just set up back on heaven and say, okay, this is how life works on earth and understands and knows our, our, our struggles. No, no. God got up from his throne, stepped out of the glories of heaven, laid down his glorious robe of, of glory, became a man in the flesh, lived as a young child, grew up as a young man, spent his, uh, his, his days developing in the quiet uh, a work of a carpenter shop uh, along with his brothers and sisters doing the things that, that you and I do in life. He has experienced life. He has gone through our struggles. Let me give you just a, it's a long list, but it's really a short list of the experiences of Jesus, the human experiences of Jesus. I'm not going to give you the verses with these. By the way, they'll be in my notes. You can read them on Facebook later if you want to get my notes. But just listen to this list. Jesus experienced hunger thirst, fear, weariness, poverty, grief, abandonment, death, pain, hatred, indignation, need, submission, disappointment, misunderstanding, sadness, betrayal. Jesus had questions, the Bible tells us. He grew in wisdom. He learned obedience. He socialized. He prayed. He was tempted. He knew what it was to love people. He experienced love of friendship, compassion, joy, wonder. And Jesus knew what it was to have a family and then have your family not even get along with you and have the family problems that we have. Listen, having experienced all these things, Jesus is able to sympathize with us. When you and I come to Jesus in our prayers and we lift up to him our, our, our hearts of hurt and struggle, listen, he knows. He understands. 
He, know what it is. he knows what it is to walk in our shoes. He knows what it is to feel our pain. He understands what it is to go through our trials. He is able to give us grace, yes, sufficient, but he doesn't just give us grace that's sufficient out of the power of the fact that he is God. He gives us grace that is sufficient out of a heart that is full of sympathy for our hurt, our struggles. Jesus, in his integrity over humanity, speaks to us as well. The writer in Hebrew tells us in all points, in all ways, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. When the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points, what does that mean? Does it mean that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted? Well, in, in a sense, that's not true. I mean, there are certain things, for example, that, that, that Jesus never faced in way of temptation that you and I uh, would face. I mean, for example, uh, you know, would Jesus be tempted to, to stay inside in the air conditioning rather go outside and do what his mom asked? Well, first of all, there wasn't any air conditioning back in Jesus' day. So that's a new thing for us, right? You know, for us kids. So when it says Jesus was tempted in every way, it's not saying every little temptation we have in life is exactly like Jesus and Jesus did exactly like we were doing or had that exact temptation. But what he's talking about here is that the model of temptation in every way. As a matter of fact, the Lord's temptation modeled Eve's temptation. You read about it, Genesis chapter 3, particularly verse 16, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, where Jesus was tempted. And, and those two temptations basically model each other. And the Bible says that really we're all tempted in three areas of life. In, in, in 1 John 2, 16, for all that is in the world, and that's basically all temptations boil down to this, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are not of the Father, but from the world. So the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In every temptation, in every way, Jesus was tempted in that way. And listen, he was tempted not to see whether he would sin. It was to prove that he could not sin. You see, Jesus was sinless, and in a sense, Jesus did not have the capacity to sin because he's holy God. God cannot sin. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 1 John 3, 15, uh, 3 5. So some would argue that Jesus wouldn't, could not sin, therefore his temptations couldn't be real, that he couldn't possibly understand what we were going through. Well, that's not right either. Uh, the fact that Jesus could not sin does not change the fact that the temptations were real. The fact that he endured them, the fact that he overcame them, gives us comfort when we are tempted. Let me illustrate it in two ways. Let me try to explain it to you. Many have experienced great pain in their life, perhaps maybe been in, in a, 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 an accident or a wreck. And there's something that happens to a person's body when they experience great pain. Medical doctors will tell you that shock sets in. In other words, pain can become so intense, so, so uh, uh, unreal, unbearable to the body that the body just simply shuts down. It turns off the pain signals. And so those that enter into shock don't really experience the full pain 
or the full depth of pain that they're going through. Now, the same is true in the area of temptation. None of us have ever experienced the full range of temptation. All right? Matter of fact, the Bible says that all temptation has to pass the judgment bar of God. And God only allows that which we're able to bear. All right? There's a load limit on your life. Satan cannot uh, break that load limit. Now, with Jesus, there was no load limit. The full weight of temptation fell upon him. He felt the full weight of it. Let me illustrate it in another way. I'm going to take this Bible. It's a book. It could be any book. But let's just say for a moment, I'm going to hold this book up. All right? Now, I might be able to hold this book, let's say, for a good 30 minutes straight out. You may take someone older, maybe someone a little bit weaker, a little bit uh, uh, in poorer shape. You would you wouldn't have to look far probably to find somebody but uh, uh, you could find someone maybe they couldn't hold it out there for a good 30 minutes maybe they could only hold it for 15 or you take maybe a young baby uh, that's uh, uh, about a year old maybe they could hold a book straight out on their arms for about a minute or you could take someone strong some of our young teenagers they might be able to hold it out there oh you know two hours three hours four hours you know, you take some of these world champion strength lifters, they might can hold it out there for days. But it doesn't matter who it is. At some point, the arm gets tired, the weight begins to be too much, and what happens? We collapse. Dear friend, Jesus didn't have a collapsing point with, our, with his temptation. At no point did the full weight overtake Jesus. He felt all of it his full power, his full strength. And so when Jesus went through temptation, Jesus is better able to identify with our struggles than anyone else. You see, I've had people, they'll say, I just, I hate to go to the Lord. I hate to pray because I know how bad I've messed up. Dear friend, I want to tell you something. Jesus knows better than you how bad you've messed up. Jesus knows better than you what your struggle was because he went through more he endured a greater temptation than we did and he just didn't endure his temptation he endured yours and mine and everyone's you see all we have to endure is what our own struggles jesus felt the full weight and so when we have a savior that can give us what we need, that's wonderful. But it's even more beautiful when we have a Savior who knows what we feel. And he knows the brokenness of our heart because his heart has been in our heart, with our heart. Let me give you one last thing quickly. And Hebrews tells us, in Jesus we find that we now have access to the sanctuary of God. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus says, listen, because of my heart, I'm willing to be your high priest to give you what you need. I, I, I'm not just going to cry for you and say, oh, how pitiful it is that you have sinned and you're not holy and you're to be judged of God for your sin. I'm not just going to cry for you. I'm going to help you. 
And the only way that you can receive help, and that's by me coming and dying for you, being your ransom for sin. Because Jesus is willing to be our high priest, he also has a heart that is our great high priest. He knows our hurt. He knows our feeling. He knows our struggle. But there's something else that takes place. Jesus comes into our life. Our life becomes his life. Our blood becomes his blood. Our unrighteousness becomes his righteousness. And now, because of Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to let you do something that no one ever thought possible. I'm going to give you access to the throne of God. I'm going to give you access to the throne of grace. And whatever it is that you need, you can ask. The petition is to come. The promise is to care. Everyone needs a little help in life. Everyone needs a little help in life. Sometimes I'll, I'll meet folks and I'll witness to them or talk to them about Jesus and they'll just put Jesus off. They'll just put coming to Jesus off for one reason or another. But every time that that's happened and, and I've experienced that, I cannot help but be brokenhearted for that person. I always wonder, why? Why would someone not want Jesus in their life? Why? We all need help. Anyone here dare say that they don't need help in life? I'm going to tell you, the strongest of the strong need help. I mean, if nothing else, dear friend, there is a tombstone with your name on it out there. There's a grave marker. I don't know about you, but I need an answer to that. What's next when I die? And as I've looked at it, there's not a better answer than Jesus. Why would I put him off? Why would I deny the help that's offered? I'll tell you something else. I need help in today. It was such a blessing. This yesterday we were sitting there. We got a chance to FaceTime with Kaylee and little May. And we had sent her a package and they opened it up and they were digging through it. Had little treats and little goodies, a little dress, a little stuffed kitty kitty in it. Life was good. The moment was good. But I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I could find that our family's in such turmoil tomorrow, maybe the diagnosis comes tomorrow that one of our loved ones, one of our children, our grandchild has got some horrible disease. You don't think I won't need prayer then? You don't think I would want to have access to the throne of God's grace then? Don't make Jesus the last thing you try. And don't miss Jesus and the help that he offers and the help that he gives. Oh, what a fool. Oh, what a fool you are. I love you, but you're a fool to try to live life without Jesus. Only the devil would want you to do that.
And dear friend, there's no greater fool than the devil. Don't be like the devil. Come to Jesus. He loves you. He hurts for you. And he gives real help that you need. Heavenly Father, we all need a little help in life. And the biggest help that we need is salvation. Perhaps someone is here today, someone listening online that says, I am that one who's in need of a great high priest. I don't need a preacher and I don't need a church and I don't need a Bible to tell me I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All those things are true of me. I'm selfish, live for myself. I know that I'm cut off from holy God. And Lord, perhaps I've been living as a fool. But today I realize there is a Savior. A Savior who is my great high priest who's given his life for me. And all he asks of me, Jesus, is to come and believe in you. To put my faith in you. And today, Jesus, I want to come and say that you are my Savior. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And in that prayer, Jesus, you do what only you can do. And you can bring to life that which is dead. Lord, perhaps there's a Christian today that says, I know I'm saved and I've wandered, I've been stumbling, I've not been living right. But Jesus, I have forgotten who you are. And Jesus, your heart breaks for me and your heart loves me. And today I want to come back, renew my commitment to you. And though it's been weak, it's never been gone. You've kept me in your hand in the grace that's been more than sufficient. Lord, whatever decision might need to be made today, a move of salvation, a move of faith, just a recommitment to you. Lord, you are our high priest to whom we come, not just because your word says it, but because your heart tells us you love us with such a great love. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand and sing the Lord's spoken. You come. We pray God's blessings you upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today. Thank you.